Hey, welcome to week two of a series entitled Super Teams. And um, this series is all about relationships and um, how the best relationships bring the best out of us. And so um, go ahead and get your Bibles ready. And in a moment, I'm going to have you join me in 1 Samuel chapter 14. But uh, give me a few moments here. So I was doing some reading. Um, that, I mean, this series is about teams, and uh, the Super Bowl did just end. But I, I remember Super Bowl 51, uh, where the Patriots, they were down 28-3 to three, uh, going into the second half of Super Bowl 51 two years ago. They actually ended up winning that game. <laughs> uh, down so many touchdowns, they won that game. And uh, Tom Brady who has now won six Super Bowls, he said this about his fifth Super Bowl win against the Atlanta Falcons. He said, the Super Bowl is a strange game. He says, I've been in a lot of them, and it may go one way, then it may go the other way. He said, and I know at the end of all those games that I've played in the Super Bowls, the defenses have a hard time stopping the offense at the end. The defenses have a hard time stopping the offenses at the end. The defenses, that, that was uh, intriguing to me. It caught my attention. The defenses, the defenses. Let's define some terms here. We are a note-taking church. And so defense is this. Defense is the action of preventing an opponent from scoring. If you're taking notes, it's the action of preventing an opponent from scoring. Um, it means to guard or protect, to keep or to maintain. To guard. I, I have something and I gotta, I gotta guard it. I gotta protect it. I have to keep it. Uh, I don't want anyone to take it, protect it, keep it. And we all have that habit of, of being defensive. Rightfully so. We were just in Orlando, um, my wife and I and our two kids, about almost two weeks ago. And um, typically when we go to Orlando, that's, that's where we're from. We, we've been here now almost three years in May. Uh, typically when we go to Orlando, we, we want to stay in a hotel. We want to come and go as we please, and mom will catch dinner with you, and we'll see you later. You know, so uh, she was tracking us, though, man, like months before we were coming into town. So, you know, where are you guys staying and where are you going to be? Ah, I'm like, Mom, we'll be at your house. And so we got there and uh, uh, Sunday night, um, no, Monday, I'm sorry, Monday evening, we flew in. And right before we were preparing for bed, she says, um, oh, yeah, uh, someone tried to break in the other day. And I'm like, now you know, Mom. I don't just bring my kids anywhere. Got to get an amen. You don't just take your kids anywhere, right? <laughs> I love you, Mom, but I'm not down with the break-in. And so, um, oh, no, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, my friend came over, and he put up, like, a thing in, in the window, and no one can push it now. And so uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I checked the window, and it's like this janky stick and, like, towel thing. And I'm like, I'm pushing it, and it just it still falls open and I'm like I'm, I'm lying I mean, you know, it was it was pretty tight it was tight and so um you know I'm, I'm so I put Judah to bed and, and I'm like oh my god someone's gonna break in tonight so I'm checking every door like the garage door and the, the laundry door leading outside and the, the door inside and Judah's in the shower and I lock him in the bathroom and I say son it's gonna be all right I'm like locking everything I'm I'm up at 2 a.m 3 a.m 4 a.m and it's just like I couldn't sleep all night for fear that someone was going to come in and get us or take us or hurt us. And, and um, it, it kind of dawned on me later that day because I went into Tuesday like, man, how are we going to sleep? And it's like, Josh, you, you can't live this way. Like, you, you can't live. No, baby, you cannot live. She can live. <laughs> hey, you, you may want to take her to HL Kids because... A brother might get some baby fever <laughs> up in here. Yeah, look at she's there. Aw. 
She was like, yeah. But um, right now isn't the season for all that, for our family. And uh, she is beautiful. So I just want to commend you two for doing an amazing job. Um, praise the Lord. She's gorgeous. Um, so what was I saying? Yeah, sit down on me. Yeah, come on, come on, loosen me up, loosen me up. 9.15 had me all just, just, they were sleepy this morning. They, yeah, yeah, they're normally up. You guys are normally sleepy, but I, I like the, the reversal. Like, I pulled out a chair and started preaching right here, and I, I doubt I do that in the 11 a.m., but anyway, I may need to do that. But um, when we or our, our family or our possessions become victims of harm, damage, and attack, we tend to enter into defense mode, rightfully so. But defense is good for a season, not a lifetime. Brady's on to something here. He's on to something biblical. He says, and this is the championship. This is the big one. Like, we're getting the rings. We're having the party after the Super Bowl. And he says, you know, I've been in like nine of these suckers. I have six championships. I've won six out of those nine. And I've just come to find a common trend that the defense has a hard time outlasting the offense. And so defense, while it is good for a season, I don't think it, it's our life goal to just keep people from scoring on us. You know what I mean? Like keep situations from getting the upper hand. Because the last time I checked, and I know life is not a game in the sense of, of joking, but life in a sense is a game. Right? I, I, I've never seen a sports competition where the, the team with the less points won the game. The objective is, is to score more, is to get on the offense. Is at the end of the fourth quarter, 82 to 80, you win. Not 82 to 80, you, you know, like, no, you, we got to score some points. We got to get on the offense. And so I'm looking at the definition of offense, and it means to attack with the objective of scoring against the other team. It means to be progressive and to pursue and to be proactive and to attack and to have this mentality that when we go out on that field, when we step out on that court, we're going to score more points than the other team. And there is an enemy out there of your soul. The Bible calls him Satan. His name used to be Lucifer. But when he fell, his name became Satan, Satan. And his name is adversary. And so he, he, he understands that in the game of life, he's trying to keep you from scoring. But he's also trying to score more points on you. And, and so we think of all of these great teams throughout history. And what we're really magnifying about these great teams is that they're great at scoring. They're great, if you're taking notes, attacking. They're great at pursuing. They're great at moving forward. I've never watched a sports competition where the team who played the best defense won. I don't believe that defense wins games. Defense wins championships. That is a jacked up adage. That is a jacked up philosophy. That is a jacked up perspective. Defense wins championships. No, it doesn't. Put some points on the board. Get on the offensive. Start pursuing. Start moving forward. Get some points on the board. You can't just sit here and protect what you have and keep what you have and don't expect an attack to come after you. Don't expect the opponent to come after you. Don't expect it, the bad times not to happen. You got to get some points on the board. It's the team who attacked, the team who pursues, the team who pushes is the team that wins the game. It's the marriage who pursues, the marriage who moves forward, the marriage who has the tough talks, the marriage who has a purpose to serve others, the marriage who understands that marriage is about the glory of God, not about a check, not about comfort, but it's the marriage who pursues that wins at the end of the day. And the Bible is replete, replete, that means plenty, it's full, with teams of people who have been on the attack. 
for decades and centuries and millennia. And those are the teams that make the scripture. Those are the teams that make the Hall of Fame in heaven. Those are the teams that win big. It's the offensive teams. I'll tell you how important offensive is if I can uh, bring you into more of a basketball analogy. The 96 Chicago Bulls, they went 72 wins and 10 losses in the season, and they won the championship. The 2000, I think, 17 Golden State Warriors went 73 and 9 in the regular season, and they lost the championship. Who do we remember more? The Bulls. Because they put more points on the board. So, like, God has not called you to. career and my marriage and my kids no you gotta let them loose you gotta let yourself loose there are dreams that you like god has put on your heart and you're like they get out there they might not work you know if i decrease twenty thousand dollars in my salary a year it might not work we'll never eat again like living defensive We'll have you missing everything God has for you. You got you to gotta get on the offensive. You can't let things hold you back and people hold you back and opinions hold you down. You can't even let your own opinions hold you down. Look, I don't even trust my own opinions. There are some Sundays I wake up and it's like, you suck. You're not anointed. You're not called. You shouldn't preach. They hate you. Look at their faces when they look at you. And I'm like, whoa, good morning self. But does anyone agree with what I just said? Oh, someone said, yeah. See, I confuse you. You're like, hold on, which part do I agree with? You're not listening. Most of you said, no, praise the Lord. But why do I need to lean into those who said no? Because you're my super team. What you're telling me is, Pastor, no, 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 no. You speak. You preach. Get on the offensive. We need you. So why should our relationships be any different? So, like, I want to I read something here. Join me in 1 Samuel 14, 1 through 5. And it says this. One day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let us go over to where the Philistines have their outposts. Just to give you context, um, the children of Israel, God's chosen people, they have a king. His name is Saul. Saul is Jonathan's father. Um, right now, they are being oppressed by the Philistine nation who um, has taken over the promised land. Um, right now, there are no blacksmiths in Israel. Uh, they are in a time of war. In order for the Israelites to get weaponry, they have to go to the Philistine blacksmiths. And the prices for swords and spears are astronomical, and they don't have any money. So if you go back and you read chapter 13, it tells you that there are only two people who have weapons, Saul and Jonathan. And uh, their army is down to 600. The Philistines have an army of 6,000, and they have all the weapons. And so they're being oppressed. And I love Jonathan, the son of Saul. He said to his armor bearer, come on, let us go over to the Philistines. Uh, where they have their outpost. So he's saying, look, like, we're just sitting here. Like, we're just, we're, we're getting the check, but we're complaining. We want to do something different. The vacation isn't cutting it. The new shoes don't cut it. Once we bend those and once they get dirty, we're done. The drink isn't hitting it. The weed ain't hitting it. We got kids in here, we got HL kids. Like, sleeping around isn't doing it. Come on, can, can I talk to you? I mean, I think, you know, like it's not doing it. And so he's saying, like, we got to go to where the enemy is. We, we got to go to where the, take the battle to where the oppressor is. Now, I love this. Watch this here. It says, but Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. This is so important because when God puts something on your heart, when he calls you to get on the offense, it's important that you're careful 
with who you tell. Because if they don't have the faith to supplement the calling of God on your life, they'll undermine the potential of the promise that God has in store for you. So he didn't tell his father because he knew his father. We can clap about that. He knew his father was timid. He knew his father was afraid. He knew his father would say, son, don't do it. Let's just stay here. Let's stay oppressed. Let's just remain under our shade tree with all this God-given potential on the inside of us. And so the scripture says this, verse 2, Meanwhile, Saul had his 600 men who were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree at Migron. So you're the king. You have a weapon, Jonathan has a weapon. And we're, we're just going to sit here under this tree. We want to advance. That's, that's the call. Our faith is calling us to move forward. But we're just settling here. We want to advance, but if we settle here, we stay alive. But if we settle here, we, we rot and we die. And we never get food. And we never get resource. And we'll never get connections. And we'll never see the hand of God move. If we just sit here, we'll never see miracles. We will never see power if we just sit here. So the king, you got to watch who's leading you. You got wa- to watch who's leading you. John Maxwell says everything rises and falls on leadership. Do you have a leader who's pushing you past your comfort zone? Do you have a leader who's challenging you to stretch? Do you have a leader that's telling you, you got to hit the books? Do you have a leader who's saying, let's sit down and read the Bible. Let's get the truth of God's word in our hearts. Let's allow that to dictate our forward movement. Let's allow that to dictate our thinking. Let's allow that to dictate our worldview. Who is your leader? Who is your leader? Because some leaders are okay with you just showing up every day, making your, your, your money, doing your thing, taking your normal vacations, doing all this normal stuff, and you look up 20, 40, 60 years later, you look back at your life, and you're going to be like, what in the world did I do? Who was I allowing to lead me? And you just did the same old, same old every year, and you never tapped into the potential that God had put on the inside of you. And you're going to look back and just say, OMG, who was leading me? You got to ask yourself, like, where are my leaders leading me? Are they stretching me? Are they challenging me? Am I becoming the best version of me? Have I given up on every dream that God has put in my heart? Or have I spent 5, 10, 15, 20 years under the same tree just worried? If I step out on faith, I'm going to lose it all. I'm going to miss it all. I'm going to lose my life. I'm going to lose my kids. No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. We're going to get on the offensive. We're going to start praying. We're going to start fasting. We're going to start dancing when we praise. We're going to, whoo, man. That's why I got up here and I got undignified, to show you that it's okay. We don't come in the presence of God bound. It may look like I'm surrounded by surrounded. I saw my man Chris back here getting it. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know him, but I, I saw you, Chris. You was killing. Ah. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep jumping. No, 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 no. We move. We march. We fight. We respond. We take the battle to where the enemy is. Because he can't have our families. He can't have our futures. He can't have our destiny. He can't have our freedom. He can't have our money. He can't have our people. He can't have our kids. He can't have our potential. Come on, man. Got to get on the offensive. All God needs is one. All he needs is one. Back to my text. Among Saul's men was Ahijah the priest, so the man of God, the pastor, was there. (laughs) All right, the pastor was speaking faith. (laughs) Yeah, guys, we're just going to read today, and um, yeah, it was a good reading, good prayer. God bless you. Go home. It's like, what did I just read? I don't understand anything I just read, you know. 
No, no, no. We're going to preach this thing. Y'all ready? Here we go. He, had, he owned a priestly ephod, so he was dressed, but he wasn't operating in any power. Bro, take your suit off. Give me a T-shirt. Give me a mic. Give me a Bible. All right. We got somewhere to go. Does anyone, come on, does anyone have somewhere to go in this church? Like, he's dressed, and this annoys me, man, because I'm like, it don't matter what you got on, man. You, you got the power, man. You got to move forward. It don't matter, man. You can have the collar. You can have the tie. You can have the suit. You can have the building. You can have the theater. It doesn't matter what you have on when you're not moving. Ahijah was the son of Ichabod. Let me stop right here. You know what Ichabod means? What it mean? It means the glory has departed. Someone said, mm. all right, I'm going to start right here because this ain't in my notes, but we're, we're in what I call Revelation Station. God is pilling things for us. Okay, so you have Ichabod. <laughs> you have Ichabod, and so, like, if I'm one of these guys who are with Saul, I'm like, bro, like, did you hear roll call this morning? No wonder we sitting here, bro. That boy, Ichabod's, see the son. That boy, Ichabod's son is here. That brother. What do you mean? Oh, Ichabod, huh, that rings a bell. Poor Ichabod. <laughs> Come here, man, before Saul hears. You remember Uncle Ichabod? The glory has departed. Oh, we're connected to him right now? Like, he's in this 600 man with us under this tree? Yeah. That's who we connected with, bro. Hey, man, um, where's Jonathan? He might be somewhere with that fella David. We talked about him last week. You remember David? Uh, somewhere. I don't know where he at. So, like, if I'm you and you're taking notes, you need to make two categories right now. Or maybe you're just a genius up here. So whatever you do, do it. You need to make two categories. Line down here. You need to make Ichabod on your paper, and you need to put David slash armor bearer. And you need to begin to list, not in a condemning way, but you need to begin to identify people who, who are not after all that God has for you. And they're, they're good with complacency. They're good with the gossip. They're 40 years old, and they're still talking like they're 19. And they just Ichabod, like God's been left the room because he can't honor their character. And then you need to get on over here with David and the armor bearer. Is he with David? Yeah, he with David. He, he probably looking for David. David means beloved of God. And you need to make a list of people. Just like going after it. A list of people who you know, they got a small circle. It's two or three people. And they're just going after every promise that God has for their life. A lot of why, why you are where you are is simply because you may be in the presence of a guy or a gal named Ichabod. And God loves them, but they're not seeking him. They don't want him. They don't want anything more. They're just Ichabod. Like, the, 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 uh, let me tell you. So this is a, an executive summary of the, the history of the children of Israel, Jesus, all that. And so what theologians believe is that whatever God put in this book, he put it in there intentionally. Why are those details necessary? The priest with the garment. The garment was anointed. The ephod was set apart, and the spirit of God would rest on the ephod so that the priest would stand before God and stand before the people as a mediator between God and the people and move forward in power. 
why is it's why did the why did the author say this? <laughs> Ahijah, the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahutub, son of Phinez, like the priest of the Lord who had served at Shiloh. Why is that necessary? Jonathan's not there. Let's keep on with the narrative. No, God said, no, I want to show you something. He doesn't talk like that. <laughs> it's 11, y'all. I am getting in trouble right now. It's because, Yesenia, it is emphatic. He's emphasizing a point. The series is called Super Teams. You got to watch Ichabod. Ichabod is that gossiper. Ichabod is the complainer. Ichabod is the worrier. Ichabod, Ichabod, Ichabod. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. We'll keep reading. That's good. And he said this here, to reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs. And they were called Bozaz and Sena. The cliff on the north was in the front of Michmash, and the one on the south was in the front of Geba. Today I want to bring a message to you entitled, and we'll get out of here, about 20 minutes entitled, Don't Just Sit There. Point today, first point today, if you're taking notes, is this. Surround yourself with people who don't just sit there, but they push into new frontiers. Surround yourself with people who don't just sit there. I remember when I uh, first met Christopher Condrogianis. He's our creative director. Y'all can give it up to him. He's probably the reason you're in this church. Him and his amazing creative team. Um, they worked so hard Monday through Saturday to ensure high-quality creative content that you may have seen and you got here and you were like, I'm at Disney, then I start speaking to you and like I'm never returning because I messed it all up. But, no, Chris is amazing. His team is amazing. And um, I met this young man back in uh, 2013 and um, just – Just a servant's heart. Um, always had massive potential on the inside of him. And uh, I could just tell, like, anything I threw at him, like, he, he wanted to push new frontiers in the creativity of it, in the design, in the approach, in the method, in the strategy. Um, I remember before moving here, I'm like, I think we're going to Delaware to plant this church. And so I say, Chris, I gave him like seven things. And seven of those things are like 14 questions each <laughs> that I wanted him to research and get back to me in detail. And so like I had him write this essay about Delaware. And we weren't even going to move there. But just everything I've always thrown at him, he's always wanted to make it better. I remember when we were going to um, get our website out. And I said, we don't have a lot of money. We got like 4000 in the account. This website's going to cost 3000 We can do it, plug and play, all this, all that. And he said, Pastor, like, give me uh, two or three days. I'll get back to you. Like, let's not, let's not spend that money. And so this joker went in his room for days. Like, late. I mean, he'd go to Pep Boys and do his work. And he'd come back home, and he'd just labor for days. And he even developed a Bible study about why we should create our own content. He came and presented it to me and Pastor Kyra because at the time the church was only three people uh, in Altamont Springs, 550 Iris Street, Altamont Springs, 32714. We were right there in the living room, just us three. And he said, Pastor, this is going to take us $600 to create this website. And he said, um, and I'm going to do it from scratch. And I'm like, you sure? He's like, yeah. He said, you always talk to us about excellence. You always talk to us about faith. You always talk to us about expectation. And he said, I just believe that this thing is going to be excellent. And we're going we're gonna to draw people for the glory of God who are going to get saved. And 
lives are going to be changed. And if you would just release me into doing this, I promise you I won't let you down. And I'm like, wow, we're not going to settle and spend a lot of money. We're going to push a new frontier. And then there was a season where uh, our, our, our car broke down and we didn't have the money to get it. And um, then, then our, we didn't have a car. And so he had his Honda and the AC didn't work. And he would, he would drive from Claremont, which was 45 minutes away from Altamont, make sure we had a car. He would get off of work early to make sure me and my boys and my wife had somewhere to, somewhere to drive. He would, he's pushing frontiers pushing frontiers to make sure that this gospel would get out and that it would get to you. You got to surround yourself with people who are going to push frontiers. You got to surround yourself with champions, with strong people who want something, who are willing to give it all up for the glory of God to change the world. I promise you, if it wasn't for this young man and this young lady and this young man and this girl and these two and these two, we wouldn't be here and that one sitting in the back. We wouldn't, you gotta surround yourself with people who wanna push frontiers. time where we couldn't afford a twin mattress for our oldest kid and this 20 year old bought it <laughs> to see that two and a half years later over 100 people have been saved, and over 50 have been baptized. And we've given almost 40 grand to outreach. I don't have time for people who want to sit under a pomegranate tree and make mom. We got more lives to change. We got to stop playing church. We got to allow God in our hearts. We have to allow Him to move through us. This is eternity. Leviticus, I don't even know where I'm at. Leviticus 26, 7 through 8 says this. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. Do away with them. I love how our churches, we're, we've entered year three, and we're pushing into new frontiers. Uh, this year, it's our goal to completely furnish and paint every room in the BAK Center. Uh, last year, we were able to do two rooms, but these are for mothers and children fleeing domestic violence. And I love it how when those mothers go there now, they, they, they fight and they vouch and they war for those two rooms that you have done. Because it, it feels like a detention center. It's cold and it's, it's, it's dark and there's no life in it. It's just a, a makeshift sanctuary to get away from being beaten. Um, and, but you as a church, you just share the love of God through painting it and coloring it. We have 16 more rooms to do this year, and we're going to push new frontiers because we're not only going to do rooms in this city, but as this church grows, we're going to more cities. This year, we're going to be tutoring students at the Regional Youth Services Program at FSI. If you have a heart to tutor and to mentor, and if you want to be present, if you, if you want God to move through you in this city, be present where those who are outside of the church are. The regional youth services um, where we're going to be able to tutor with FSI. There are teenage mothers out there. Who need help. They need help discovering their purpose and their calling. We don't have time to play church. Here at this school, we just got the proposal approved to launch our mentorship program this spring. After two years of building equity and showing this county and this community, you can trust us. We know some things have happened in this community. We know some churches have dropped the ball. 
we came in as a moving team saying, like, we're going to have to res- – I didn't even know that we were moving into some of the things we were moving into spiritually. And I told you all, I said, we're going to have to restore the reputation of Jesus in this city. Now, now people don't trust churches. It's like, we, we want to help your people. No, can you take a broom and a paintbrush and just paint our walls? No, no, like, your people need help. And so this year, there are, 40, uh, there are 20 young men and 20 young women uh, here at this school um, who need you, who need you to be present. We will be getting out more information about that. You sign up and you get here. And then in the fall, we'll start something more consistent where we come in um, once a month or twice a month. And if you have a heart for youth, we've got to push new frontiers. This is part of the vision to within the next 10 years, by 2026, the church ought to be the go-to organization for mentorship. The church. Pushing new frontiers. Surround yourself with people who are pushing against the status quo, who are, who are, who are stepping out on faith, who are pushing, who are creating things so that other people would have opportunities, who are counseling and who are mentoring and who are getting the grades and serving the community. New frontiers. The founding fathers, I don't care what you say about them, they push new frontiers. Uh, Bill Gates and Paul Allen, they push new frontiers. Um, um, uh, Elon Musk, he's pushing new frontiers. A lot of crazy stuff, but he's pushing new frontiers. The Wright brothers, they they push new frontiers. They turned the bicycle shop into a makeshift factory for airplanes, and now we're just flying everywhere. They push new frontiers. You can't just settle under the pomegranate tree. There's too much on the inside of you. That's enough of, come on, we need you to step out and push those frontiers. Teenager, we need you to push those frontiers. Be different. Everyone's doing that. Everyone's saying that. Everyone's recording. Everyone's on social media. Everyone's uh, sleeping around. Everyone, everyone, like, can we just, okay, everyone's going that way. And, and divorce is rampant. And depression is rampant. And debt is off the charts. And debt is off the chain. And suicide is coming hard. And all this, you know, that's the society. But what if we just said, you know what, I'm not just going to sit here and be the same. Even if I'm 14, 15, 16, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to be a bit different. And I'm going to get with one or two. And we're going to be different because there's too much in store. Push. Stop defending a culture that's so dysfunctional. Well, we just need to love everybody and do what we want. Yeah, and that's why we're dying. That's why we're depressed. That's why we're anxious. That's why we're fearful. Let's do something different. Get from under the tree. Surround yourself with people who don't just sit there, but they push against difficulty. I remember prior to moving, um, about two or three weeks before we moved to um, start holding interest meetings for the church, um, Krizia and Chow, uh, Krizia lost her stepfather of a long time, about two or three weeks prior to moving in. You know, her, her mom has her health issues and going through her struggles. So I'm like, surely Crazy is not going to move. And um, she did. She, she moved. And then last year, uh, Crazy had lost her biological father. And so, you know, I sat down with her. I'm like, sweetie, like, if we need to cut back on your serving, on you leading, on everything you do Monday through Saturday for this church. If we need to cut back on you serving those kids and all that, she just refuses to allow valid pain and loss to stop her from serving God with her entire soul. And so this is where I'm at with it. You can say anything you want about Crisia, but that's a quick way to end up in my Ichabod section. Because people who are anointed and called and who love Jesus, they, they, they don't just sit there, but they push against difficulty. 
They push against difficulty. And so these cliffs, Bozaz and Sinai, the word in the Hebrew, Bozaz, means shiny and slippery. Sinai means thorny. And so Jonathan and the armor bearer, they're going up these cliffs and these hills. They're knowing they're going to get cut. They're knowing they're going to experience pain. They know that they're going to be bleeding by the time they get on top of that mountain to the other outpost. They know that they're going to need stitches and all this. Like, like we know that, that in the process of purpose, in the process of prosperity, in the process of sometimes gaining peace, that you got to bleed and you got to hurt and you got to tussle and you got to wrestle. We know that theologians have clarified to us and, and scholars have said that um, the original way that was clear was so obstructed that this was the only way to get to the other outpost. Let me help you. Sometimes difficulty is the only way to advance to where you want to be. Sometimes a little blood, a little sweat, some tears, some prayers, some fasting, some worshiping, when it hurts like hell, is, is the only, is in the Bible, I didn't curse. When it hurts, is the only way to advance and to grow. Sometimes giving up things and giving up people that you love because they're not advancing is the only way to advance. You got to get around people who push against difficulty. And so this is the super team's principle right here. If the people that you're surrounding yourself with see difficulty as too hard, too much, not necessary, they're going to drag you down if God has called you to a season of difficulty. And so, I, you, know, I, you know, I've had my fair share of difficulty, and um, I, was, uh, I was laying down for a nap yesterday, and I just asked the Spirit of God, I said, headache and just tired and weary. I said, Lord, um, I said, why is this such a great year? But it's so hard. I just felt the spirit of God say, this is the year of growth and development. No pain, no gain. No challenge, no growth. No stretch, no flexibility. No change, same results. Change, different results. Different relationships, different results. I mean, what are they doing under this tree? You're soldiers, which means that your purpose is to fight. If I'm a soldier and I'm under a tree and I'm not fighting, I must be doing one thing. Complaining, worrying, gossiping, not showing up to praise the Lord, not getting in my Bible to figure out what he has to say to me. I must be doing one thing only, and that's keeping everyone in my circle down with me. But if you're going to advance, you're going to have to climb Bozaz and Sinai. You're going to have to bleed. You're going to have to sweat. You're going to have to cry. That mattress is going to have to smell. That car is going to have to break down. You're going to have to go a little broke. You may have to go through a divorce. God still loves you. He still has a plan for you. You may have to do whatever you have to do. But if you're going to grow in advance, you're going to have to push up against difficulty and surround yourself with people who say, yeah, we see this difficulty. We see the danger. We see the struggle, we see what it's going to cost, but we're ready to go. Because if we go through it, by the time we get to the top of the hill, we may be bloodstained, we may be battered, we may be bruised, but we're going to have the strength and the resolve to knock those Philistine, oh, come on, come on, church, come on, come on. I need you right here. I need you right here. 
sometimes it's the difficulty that gives us the strength to fight the battle at the top of the mountain. Because by that point, it's like, I'm up here now. I'm up here. You think I'm going to bleed and sweat and not win this fight? Sometimes it's the, it's the only way. It's the only way. If they see studying as too difficult, they're going to drag you down. If they see serving as too difficult, they're going to drag you down. If they see exercising as too difficult, they're going to drag you down. If they see sexual purity as too difficult, they're going to drag you down. If they see being faithful to their spouses and having a vibrant marriage, a good marriage, a healthy marriage, they're going to drag your marriage down. You got to team up with people who don't just sit there, but who push against the difficulty. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, these are people who are in heaven now, and they made the scripture because they were on the offense. Therefore, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Watch this. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So God calls you, and when God calls you, it's his goal to perfect you. But he needs you to endure, and he says this, because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Don't just sit there. Get you some friends who are willing to push against the difficulty because it's on the other side of difficulty that your joy awaits, that your fulfillment awaits, that your growth awaits. Don't just sit there. Get you some friends who will push against difficulty. Come on, close me out. Final point. Don't just sit there. Get with a few crazy people. Oh, that's a good one. Who have crazy faith and watch God move. Crazy people. It says this, 1 Samuel 14, verse 6. Let's go across the outpost to those pagans. pagans. Jonathan said to his armor bearer. I mean, this joker isn't even a soldier. And he said this here, perhaps, perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. I, I love it because um, I was at home Wednesday night. I'll spare you the details. And uh, it was like 1126. I remember it. 11.26, a weird time, but my phone rang. And as you probably know from last week, Mr. Chow Tran called me. Starting to think he's up to no good. He's always there. 11.26, it was a tough day. I had, um, I had a few tough discussions and good discussions, fruitful with, with a few people, but it just, those talks pulled everything out of me. And so um, just drained and down. And so child called me and said, hey, pastor, how are you? I said, I'm, I'm okay. So said, I just called you to pray for you, to lift your head, to see how you were doing, to just give you a word of encouragement. And he didn't know it, but just as he was saying all that, just tears started flowing because it was such a tough day. And so I shared my heart for about five, ten minutes. You know, I always got to out-talk my people. But God said, shut up and receive. So I'm like, all right, whatever. That's, that was my day. And he just spoke life into me, and he prayed for me. And I got off that phone, and just my entire reality changed. It's like he lifted the enemy off my back and off my shoulder. Because he's crazy like that. He's deranged. 
verse 7. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I'm with you completely wherever you go. Perhaps God will move in your finances, in your relationship, in your education, in your calling, but you're going to need some crazy people with crazy faith that when, when, when you look at your life and when they look at your life, they're like, that doesn't add up. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but I believe it, and I see it, and I know it, and you can, and God can, and God will, and I am with you completely. Until you fail or until you quit, I am with you completely. Crazy faith. Crazy, deranged, out of their mind faith. Perhaps God will fill this thing up before Easter. Perhaps we will have more locations. Perhaps we will have 20 locations in 20 years. And I just need some crazy people with crazy faith to see thousands of lives transformed, to see many people saved, to see marriages saved, to see teens restored, to see kids find their purpose, to see freedom and destiny all throughout the DMV. Crazy people who say, Pastor, we can't see it, but we believe it and we're with you. You need some crazy people. Let's clap the word of God up. Come on, you need crazy people. You need crazy people. You can do it. You will do it. You will rise. You will overcome. Crazy people. Crazy. Hallelujah. We can have our seats, church. Let's bow our heads. If you've never given your life to Jesus, the Lord loves you, and today can be a new start for you. All of, all of your sins are forgiven. God is not mad with you. He's madly in love with you. So just stop running from the Lord this morning and step into everything that God has for you. If you've never given Jesus Christ your heart, maybe today's your day. And as we pray as a church, I want to assure you that we're not going to make you feel weird. But we're going to pray with you corporately. If you want to receive the forgiveness of sins, and you want to make heaven your home when you pass away from this place. On the count of three, you raise your hand. When you come to Christ, he's calling you home. One. Two. If you're coming to Christ, raise that hand and raise it high. Raise that hand high. Father, we love you and we honor you and we praise you. We give you all the glory. Lord, we're not just going to sit here. But we're going to advance by your power and by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church. Thank you so much.